Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Uh, we're going to camp out there this morning um, and, and look at the last three verses of Matthew 28. As you turn there, I'm going to give you my, my three warnings that I try and give every time that I'm up here. Uh, again, like I said, I, I work with teenagers, uh, and I also drink a lot of coffee. Um, so my three warnings are this. Uh, I might and probably will get loud uh, and have a lot of energy. So you shouldn't have a problem staying awake. I know New Year's was like three days ago, so if you're like me and still recovering from having to make it to midnight, um, then I'll, I'll try and keep you awake. Um, I might talk really fast. Uh, I get excited about things, and when that happens, I talk fast. So I'll try and slow that down a little bit. Uh, again, students can normally catch on and, and keep going because they talk faster than I do. Um, and then lastly, again, I work with teenagers, so I'm probably going to say a phrase or a word or someone's name, and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Uh, I'll try to explain that if I do, um, and if I don't, then ask me later or ask one of the, the teenagers in the room, and I'm sure they can probably tell you what I mean. Okay, everyone at, at Matthew 28 now? All right. So like I said, we're going to read the last three verses, um, and this is Jesus talking to his disciples. Uh, And starting in verse 18, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We all know this passage. Most of us probably know this passage. If I ask you what this passage is called, you'd probably say, the Great Commission, right? The Great Co-Mission. This is the mission that we are on. Um, this is the, the last thing that, one of the last things that Jesus said before he ascended. Um, so with this, with the new year, um, starting a couple days ago, starting a new series today, and, and Dave and I were talking about what are we going to name the series, and, and Dave had this idea of re being the new year, we have a lot of resolutions, and, and we, we re-up on some things or renew some things. Uh, and so we, we started kind of hacking away at, at different things, and, and he was like, what, what are you thinking about? What do you want to start the new year off with? And, and I was like, let's renew. Um, and so he was like, okay, what, what do you mean by that? Um, and I said, let's, let's renew the call that we have as believers. Um, us as Christians, what, it, what is the, the call that, that Jesus first and foremost tells us to do? Um, And so we talked about renewing uh, the Great Commission, renewing our hearts for this passage uh, and challenging our church with it. Uh, And so I want to answer three questions today uh, that that this passage and and, and passages like it will answer. The first one is, what are we supposed to do? The second one is, how are we supposed to do that? And then the third one is, why should we do that? Um, And so so as we walk through this, my, my hope is, uh, that, that this passage, that, that renewing, getting a, a new, fresh look at this passage is going to spark in us a desire uh, to see God's word go forth, um, to see that the message of the gospel go forth everywhere that we are. Um, and so as we, we read these verses to answer the first question of what are we to do, it's, it's pretty clear what Jesus says to do. In verse 19, Jesus says, Go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. So he says three things in verse 19. He says, go. He says, make disciples. And he says, baptize them. 
Now notice all three of these things are very active verbs. Go. Like when you hear go, most of us think like move uh, or think of a car and and you see the the green light, it means go. So your car, you hit the gas and you move forward. Uh, If you're a a kid, maybe you think of the, I think of the, uh, the game red light, green light. Has anyone ever played red light, green light? Right? If, you're, if any kids were at VBS, we played it there. It was a lot of fun. So when someone says go in red light, green light, what do you do? You go, right? If they say go, you run. Like you're trying to get there as fast as you can, you're running. This is not my real run, I promise. Um, but you, you go. Someone says stop, you stop. Jesus here says go, um, which, which implies for us a very active, moving command. And then he says make disciples. Um, and, and I want to camp out here for just a second. Um, I, I think that we have misconstrued this word or this, this phrase of make disciples uh, when we hear this passage. Um, Jesus did not say, go evangelize people, dunk them, and go home. Jesus said, go make disciples. And, and it's, it's really impressive um, to, and, and, and rarely do we, do we see an example like this where the person who says something is also the perfect example of it. He said, go make disciples. Uh, does anybody know how long Jesus spent with his disciples, roughly? Three years. So for Jesus, making disciples was a three-year process. And like, if you know anything about Peter, like, he still probably needed some more at the end. Like, after three years, Peter was still sticking his foot in his mouth all the time. Jesus spent time with people. So going and making disciples was not just, hey, Jesus did this really cool thing. Here's a Bible. Uh, I, ho- I hope you believe it and walk away. Jesus invested time. Uh, fast forward to the Apostle Paul. Uh, the Apostle Paul planted churches all over the place. Uh, we have multiple letters in, in the Bible that, that he sent to different churches that he had helped start. And, and Paul was known in, in multiple churches that he went to for spending 10 plus years there. Some think he spent 14 years, 13 years. Like He spent time where he went. And so when Jesus says make disciples, it, it's not just a, a one and done, uh, a quick, hey, here's a, here's a track and, and walk away. It's spending time, it's investing, and we'll get in more into that in a second. Um, and then the, the last thing he says is, is baptize them. We, we know that that is one of the things that we do as an act of obedience as believers, is, is once we become believers, is we get baptized. And so we, we are to do that. Um, and so what are we to do? We're to go, make disciples, and baptize them. And so there's our first question answered of what are we to do. The next question is how are we to do that? Um, it's, it's really easy just to say, hey, go make disciples. Like, go, go do something. Go, go do this and, and then not say anything else about it. Um, but I, I want to answer the question of how because for so many people, that's probably the biggest question. How do, we, like, how do I do that? How do I make disciples? Um. And here's, here's one of the things that I, uh, I've always kind of I've laughed at. Um, I've, I've heard students say it like, 
Like, I, just, I, wanna, I wanna go on a mission trip. I wanna do something. I wanna, I wanna like, impact the lives of people. And, and I think for a lot of us, we think that we have to go on a mission trip to impact the lives of people when the reality is that you're on a mission trip every single day. Um, there's a, a famous theologian who said there's, I think he said there's two types of people in the world. There's believers, and then there's the mission field. So there's all of us who are, who are believers, who are brothers and sisters in Christ, and then those that aren't, like that's your mission field. You don't have to go somewhere else. Like your mission field is here. It's everywhere. You can make disciples in every place that you are, whether it's with your neighbors, with your coworkers, with your barista at Starbucks, or the guy that, that, that rings you up at Walmart or Target or wherever you like to grocery shop. Um, if you're a parent, oh man, like you have little disciples or you have teenagers, bigger disciples. Like you have disciples and, and those, they have to listen to you. So it's like built in, like they're there. Um, they, they can't run away when you were taught. Well, they can, but normally they get in trouble for that. And so, but you have them there. Like if you're a parent, you have automatic, like your first disciples are the ones that are in your house, your kids. Um, disciples are everywhere. Potential disciples are anyone and everyone that you come in contact with. So how do we start making disciples? So it's like, okay, you, you said what we're supposed to do, make disciples, and then you told us who can be a disciple, but you still haven't told us how we can make disciples. Um, and, and the best way that, that I can say that is to speak the gospel to them. Speak the gospel to them. Um, there's a, a famous guy. Um, he's a, an, an old guy. He's dead now. Um, named St. Francis of Assisi. Maybe you've heard that. It's a really weird ending to a name, like St. Francis of Assisi. Like, was he a sissy? It's spelled a little different. Um, but there's a guy named St. Francis of Assisi, and, and he said this. Uh, he said, preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Um, it's a really good idea in theory. Like, preach the gospel always. Like, in everything that you do, preach the gospel. And then he said, and when necessary, use words. Um... That's not preaching the gospel. Um, it's, it's, it's really great to do good things. But Jesus said, go, make disciples, baptize them. Verse 20, he said, teach them all of the things that I have ta- I've taught you. Um, it's, it's a really, really good thing to do good things. But our faith is in no way a passive, I'm going to do good and sit back. Uh, we, we have this mentality, and when I was growing up, uh, I grew up in, in East Texas, uh, and, and they told us all the time uh, that, hey, you know, if you just, if you do good things, and, and you act right in school, you obey your parents, you're nice to the teachers, and, and do work, and, and work hard, uh, somebody's going to notice, and when they notice, and they ask you why you're different, then, then, then you tell them, like, because I'm, I'm a Christian, because I believe in Jesus, like, that's a great opportunity and I agree, it is a great opportunity. Um, but that's not how we're called to live. Um, that's not what we're called to do, because I think if we're honest, there's really, really nice people that aren't Christians. There's really, really good people that do really good things, and they even might look like what we think a Christian should look like, but, but they're not believers. They, they don't claim the same truth that we claim. And so if I, if I could amend 
St. Francis of Assisi's quote just a little bit, uh, I would say, preach the gospel at all times and always use words. Always use words. Uh, We all know who Oprah Winfrey is, right? I think so. She has her own TV channel now, so she's a big deal. She's got a lot of money. She does really nice things all the time. There's the, the joke that I've seen, like if a sports team loses by a whole lot, it's like, I think there's a baseball team that lost by a whole lot, and it was like, you get a run, and you get a run, and you get a run, and like Oprah's known for doing that, right, on her TV show. It's like, you get a car, and you get a new house, and you get a million dollars, and she does really nice things for people. She helps people out, and it's, it's really, really sweet of her to do that, but Oprah Winfrey does all of those things without the gospel behind it, and so they're, they're really great, really nice things, but if we do really great, really nice things, if we act really good and, and, and give people things and, and all of those things, but we don't give them the gospel behind it, then we're giving them good things, but we're not giving them eternal things. And that the things of this world will fade away, they will grow dim, and all that will be left are the eternal things. And so we can go on mission trips and, and, and we can dig water wells in Africa and, and helped, help children in orphanages in, in South America and, and, and build houses in Mexico. But if we do all of those things and never preach the gospel, then all of those things, although good, and I would always encourage them, all of those things will be for nothing in the end because those water wells will dry up. One day, those children in, in South America that are in orphanages will grow up and, and, and live their lives, and one day they will die, as we all will, and those houses in, in Mexico will, one day, as everything else does, will, will crumble, and the only thing that would be left is eternity. And so for us, how do we make disciples? It's not by our silent actions, because our, our silent actions will not bring the gospel to people. It's by our active speaking the gospel so that people can hear it. And and that's with everyone around us and every opportunity that we get from our our next door neighbors. You know, if if they're sick and they need their yard mowed or, or need dinner, give them dinner, mow their yard, and then share the gospel with them. With your barista at Starbucks, ask them a simple question as they're checking you out is, hey, what's faith look like to you? It's a really easy question to ask people. Uh, and, and most people, they'll try and give you an answer, or if they have an answer, they'll, they'll, they'll tell you what it is. And, and then it opens a, a really easy door to share. Um, and so how do we make disciples? We engage our community and the people around us by actively and openly speaking and showing the gospel to them. They go hand in hand. Because if you just show someone the gospel and never speak it to them, they'll think you're a really good person. But if you speak the gospel and and, and never show it to them, your life looks nothing like that, they'll think that you're a hypocrite. But if you do both of them together, if you're actively living out the gospel in your life and actively communicating the gospel to people, then they'll absolutely understand and know where you're coming from, at least. They'll know why you do what you do. And, and they'll know 
the reasons that you're doing it. They'll, they'll know that the story of Jesus because you're actively telling them. Uh, the best example I know of this of somebody today um, is my buddy Garrett Holmes. Uh, he lives in Vancouver, uh, British Columbia, Bob, Canada, and the Martins. Y'all are from Canada too. Forgot about that. Um, he lives in Vancouver. If you know anything about Vancouver, it is a very, very, very lost city. Um, I think they say it's 7% of evangelical Christian churches actually have a building. Maybe even less than that. Um, the, 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 the Christian population there is, is small. Um, and, and people there are, are not super trusting of churches. They're not super trusting of each other. Um, and so it's, it's amazing to, to watch Garrett, as I've, I've got to go spend uh, two or three weeks with him this past summer, um, and just watch him interact with people. Uh, and and I, I watched him as, as he uh, bought coffee for people. Um, he knew, I think, every single coffee shop we went to, he knew people there. Um, Garrett did life, does life with people. Uh, and every interaction that Garrett had, every single person that he talked to, he shared the gospel with them. Asked them how he could pray for them. Asked them if, if they wanted to come to church. Asked them if they knew who Jesus was. In every single conversation that he had, he worked the gospel into it with every single person. And for us, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. In every single relationship that we have, whether it's a short relationship that we've just started or, or we don't even know the person or maybe it's somebody we've known for a long time, we're supposed to share the gospel with them in every way that we can audibly, and by our works. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to share the gospel. How are we supposed to do it? Investing in the people that we're around and audibly speaking the gospel to them. And then the last question is why? Why do we have to do this? We live in the Bible Belt of all places. Every single person in Plano like, lives probably within Five miles of a church, three miles of a church maybe. There are literally thousands of churches in Plano. It's insane. Um, so why, why do we have to do it? Like why can't people just walk into churches? Why can't people just, you know, listen to the radio and, and hear it or, or any other way? Uh, and, and there's three reasons why. The first one is super simple and it was the, the very first verse that we read. Ephesians, or sorry, Wrong place. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. Jesus said, All authority on heaven in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So Jesus just said, Every bit of authority over every single thing that you can think of, he has authority over it. So right after he said that to his disciples, then he gave them the Great Commission. If you're a parent, I'm sure you've asked your child to do something and their response is probably, why should I do that? And sometimes your response is, because I said so, because I told you so. And normally it's, you're probably thinking in your head, oh my gosh, just do it. Why should we share the gospel with people? Because Jesus told us to, because he said so. All authority in heaven and on earth is given to him. 
and he told you to do something. When he said, go, therefore, and make disciples, it is a command in the Greek. It's a commanding language that is used. He's telling us to go and make disciples. Not a suggestion, not a, hey, if you get a chance, it's a go and do this. And then the the second reason as to why we should be sharing the gospel and and making disciples uh, is Ephesians uh, chapter 2 verse 10. The Apostle Paul writing to the, the church in Ephesus, he says this, he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The second reason why we should be actively making disciples, sharing the gospel, is because we are made to do so. We are are made to glorify God in everything that we do. And the biggest and best way that we can glorify Him is by bringing more and more and more people to know Him. We're made for this. We're made to communicate. We... And today, we have like a billion and a half ways to do so. Like I can instant message someone on Facebook or on Twitter or on Instagram. There's this thing called Snapchat for the wiser generation. It's just where you can like send a video to people back and forth or a picture back and forth. Like it's just a new thing that, I don't know, it's fun. It's cool. Um, But like we have so many ways of communicating today. Um, But we're also my generation, that the millennials are also like one of the like least communicative people, like relationship wise, like we're really bad at it. Like we have these small relationships through like Instagram and Facebook and, and all those things, but we're really bad at like digging in and doing life with people at times. Um but we're made to communicate. Like we're we're made to talk. Like we're the smartest creatures on the earth. Most of us for a reason. Like, we, we, we are made to communicate. We talk. We, we come up with new ways to talk, new ways to, to communicate and get messages to people. Like, we are made to do this. We're made for good works, as Ephesians said. And the best work that we can do is the work of the gospel. The best work that we can do is actively pursuing people with this message. So Jesus told us to. We're made to do so. And the last one is because the gospel is salvation for every single person who believes it. Romans 1.16 is one of my favorite verses. Um, it's the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome, and he says this. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes it, to the Jew first and also the Greek The gospel is the power of salvation. The gospel, someone knowing and accepting the gospel is the difference in eternity apart from God and eternity with God. So for us, why should we preach the gospel? One, because Jesus told us to. Two, because we're made to. But three, like, it's the difference in eternity for someone. It's, it's someone spending eternity with God in the presence of God and the difference in someone spending eternity apart from Him. And 
And, and the more and more I think on it and I, and I see people who, who claim the name of Jesus, who claim to be Christians, and the literal translation of the word Christian is little Christ, like Christ, the more and more it, it saddens my heart because the reality is, is that Jesus always spoke truth. Every person he came in contact with, he, he spoke truth. He gave them the gospel. Paul, the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, he was actively begging, pleading with people to understand the gospel because they knew the weight of it. And for us who, who claim to be Christians and, and we, we shy away from it, it's, it's, it's just hard sometimes. I had a student once tell me that it's just awkward and we, we've joked about it. Uh, there was a different church, different student, uh, not one of ours. Uh, but we, we've joked about it now, and, and I'm like, if the Apostle Paul came back and heard you say that it's just awkward to share the gospel with somebody, one, he would go, what does that even mean? Like, what is awkward? Because I'm pretty sure he was one of those people that just nothing's awkward. Like, he's just like, here you go. And, and after you explained to him what the gospel was, I'm sure he would have a very sad look, maybe even a very frustrated look. And, and he would probably say, that's your reason for not sharing the, the truth of Scripture, the gospel with someone. And, and he would probably say, I was stoned almost to death. They drug him outside of a city because they thought he was dead after they stoned him for preaching the gospel. He was beaten twice almost to the point of death, shipwrecked, thrown in prison, all of these things, he would lay them out before you and say, and you won't because it's awkward. Awkward. Even today, there are people around the world losing their lives. For the gospel. And we live in a place where we can openly and freely share it with people. And we won't do it. Because it's awkward. Or somebody might not like me. But it's salvation. For every single person. And I'm upset right now because I'm just as guilty as anyone else. For the same reason, we don't share because it's awkward or it's uncomfortable. But it's literally heaven or hell for someone. One of my favorite quotes in the world is, how much do you have to hate someone not to give them the gospel? If you think it's true, if you think that Jesus is who he said he was, this Bible is absolute truth, but you won't share the gospel with them, you have to hate them. It's absolute truth. And it is the absolute determining factor for anyone that hears it, if they accept it, what their eternity looks like. And so if, if you believe Jesus is who he said he was, well, there's your first reason as to why you should share the gospel because he told you to. If you believe that you are who the Bible says that you are as a believer, well, there's your, your second reason because you're made to do so. And then the last one, if you, if you care about people, 
which as believers, we should absolutely care about people. If you love people, if you have a heart for people, you should realize that this is life and death in the realest way for them. And I don't mean that just here and now, the physical life and death, but it is the spiritual, eternal life and death for people. And it is the most selfish thing that you can do not to share it with people because it's awkward, because it's difficult, because I just, I I don't know what to say. Scripture says at the right time, you will be given the words to say. The easiest thing that you can do is just speak truth to them. Be real with them. And so as we start this new year, this, this new season in life, 2016, like, I, w- I was joking uh, with, uh, with the students this morning that, like, we've beat Back to the Future. If you've seen the movie Back to the Future, they were, like, 2015, and we're in 2016, so we're even a year past that. But as, as we start this new year, as we start this um, cool, exciting time, just new stuff, um, my prayer is that, that we renew in our hearts the, the mission that Jesus called us to. The, the thing that we as believers are here to do. Uh, I have a really, really good friend named Warren Samuels. He's a missionary, and, and he says, um, he once said that, uh, that the only reason that we as believers stay on earth after our conversion is for this reason right here, and that's to preach the gospel. Because if we became believers and God had nothing else to do with it, nothing else for us to do here, he would just take us home. There's no reason for us to stay here except for the fact that he is still using us. He's still using you wherever you are, wherever you work, wherever you live, whatever grocery store you shop at or whatever Starbucks or coffee shop you go to, he's still using you. Please don't neglect that. And so as we roll into the new year, my prayer for for Willow Bend Church, my prayer for believers in this area, in this world, is that we see this, that we understand the weight of the gospel for every single person that hears it. And that we not refuse to give it to every single person that we come in contact with. Because it means everything for them. And it hopefully means everything for you. Let's pray.